Welcome to the Storytime Clinic, where children's books and health collide. I'm your host, pediatrician Dr. Mfan Umarin, and every week I spotlight a children's book featuring a character with a health condition. My goal is to inspire conversations that will help all of us better understand and support kids with health conditions. Hi, guys. Welcome. Thank you for joining in today to the 30th episode of the Storytime Clinic and our final episode for the year of 2021. Can you guys believe that we are in December of 2021 already? I feel like this year has just absolutely flown by. And of course, this is the Christmas season. This time of year (laughs) seems to be all about gifts. And of course, the whole origin of Christmas in the Christian faith was the birth of Jesus Christ, who was the ultimate gift from God to humankind. But across the world, this time in a lot of different cultures and traditions is really associated with gift giving in many different forms. Guys, this time of year is very stressful for people like me because I am not a good gift giver. First of all, I do not enjoy shopping under pressure. And it just feels like there's so many different options out there. You know, I get overwhelmed by all the choices. And so I keep putting it off and putting it off. I will be honest with you. I'm recording this on the 22nd of December, and I have shopped for two people so far, <laughs> and that is it. And so I, I I do kind of make this worse for myself because I wait till the very last minute, and so everyone is rushing the stores at the last minute, and so it's more of a stressful situation, and this just compounds my hate for shopping around this time. <laughs> So I'm not a great Christmas gift giver. I'm sorry, family. I love you all very much. But my presence is my presence (laughs) most of the time. But the one gift that I did give this year that I was very proud of is I decided to give blood for the first time. It's something that I've wanted to do for quite a while, but I was never quite uh, eligible or able to do it uh, for reasons that I will talk about a bit later in the episode. But this year, the circumstances just aligned perfectly and I was finally able to give blood. And I'm so very grateful that I was able to have that experience. So I wanted to share that with you guys today. Oh, and this is a book-free episode. It's Christmas break, okay? (laughs) So just sit back and relax and enjoy the listening. So I have shared previously that I primarily work with kiddos who have cancers, blood disorders, or immune system problems, and who are going through stem cell transplants. And for these patients, having reliable and constant access to blood products is essential. It's life-saving. I order blood probably on a daily basis. So this is something that we cannot take for granted. Um, I am very fortunate to work in a center and to work in a country that's able to provide blood products pretty much reliably for any patient who needs them in a very short period of time. But it's not like this across all countries in the world at all. 
the infrastructure for being able to make these blood transfusions happen is complex. You know, you have to have the capability to test blood and make sure that it's safe, to process it, to store it safely, and to be able to get it to where it needs to be quickly when it's needed. So it's a pretty complex infrastructure that's happening in the background. But all of this starts with having people who are willing to donate. So why donate blood? Why is it important? Who does it help? Well, normally your bone marrow would make all the blood products that you need. Your bone marrow makes your white blood cells, which help to fight off infections. Your bone marrow makes your red blood cells, which help to carry oxygen around your body, which is essential for all the functions that your your body parts are involved in. And then your bone marrow also makes platelets and platelets are involved in helping to form clots when there's there's a bleeding process in your body. So these are the different components of blood. And in your blood, you also have these little proteins and factors that also help with clotting as well, in addition to the platelets. So these are all the things that are important for how your body normally functions when it comes to blood. So people who need a blood donation are either going to be people who have a problem producing this blood and all these different factors on their own, or somebody who, for whatever reason, is losing blood faster than their body can produce it again. So on the side of people who are not able to produce blood properly, you're talking about cancer patients who may have their bone marrow affected by the underlying cancer or it can be affected by chemotherapy drugs. So cancer patients rely on blood products very, very frequently. Any other patients who have a problem with their how their bone marrow makes cells, we call these often bone marrow failure syndromes. Um, these patients are also going to need blood products frequently. And then even diseases like sickle cell disease, where the red blood cells are not formed appropriately, sometimes these patients need red blood cells to be transfused uh, so that they have enough healthy cells for their bodies to function properly. And then when we talk about people who are losing blood more quickly than their body's able to produce it, then you're talking about trauma patients, people who have been in car accidents maybe, or gunshot wounds, knife stabs, or have hurt themselves, you know, fallen out of a tree, whatever the case may be. <laughs> um, but there's lots of different scenarios where people might need these products. So these are the people that you're helping when you make a blood donation. You can donate whole blood, which is all these components, or you can donate specific parts. So you can donate your red blood cells, you can donate platelets, you can donate plasma, which contains all those clotting factors that help to stop someone from bleeding. So how bad is the need for blood products? Why is this such a big issue? Well, according to the Red Cross, Every two seconds in the U.S., somebody is in need of a blood transfusion or a blood product. In one day, we transfuse over 40,000 units of blood products. So whether it is red blood cells or platelets or plasma, we transfuse 40,000 units of blood products in one day in the United States. In a year, you're talking about 16 million blood products. 
that is a big amount. And it's also important to note that there's always a need. There's always a need for blood donors. We can't store up enough because these products expire. If you donate red blood cells, those can hang around for about a month and a half, and then we can't use them after that. And if we donate platelets, those can actually only hang around for about five days or so, and then we can't use them after that. So there's a constant need for people um, who are willing to donate blood products. We can't make blood on our own. These are things that are only able at this moment to really come from blood donors. Okay, so if at this point I've convinced you that there might be a need for blood product. You're thinking about potentially donating. So let's talk about who's eligible to donate blood. Who can donate blood? Well, the most important things as we go through this process is that we want the blood donation to be safe for the donor and we want it to be safe for the recipient, the person who's receiving the blood as well. There will be different criteria for eligibility based on what product you're donating, but In general, I will give you a couple of examples. So uh, in terms of making it safe for the person who's donating the blood, most places will have an age cutoff. So we don't want uh, people under 16 years of age donating. And that's, of course, because young kids are still growing. They're going to have smaller blood volumes and we just don't want it to be unsafe for them. So we have that cutoff. So age, we only collect from people who are older than 16 years old. we usually have there a minimum weight for whole blood. It's about 110 pounds. And then we also want to make sure that uh, your hemoglobin, your level of blood in your body is at an appropriate level as well. Some people are anemic. They have a lower hemoglobin than they should for their age and their gender. And so we don't want to take blood from someone who's anemic and make things worse. So those are some of the things that we screen for. Um, your age, your weight, and then your hemoglobin level. When we talk about making blood donations safe for the recipient, it's mostly making sure that we're not going to harm them in some way by giving this blood donation. So you're going to have a lot of questions that are really trying to rule out the likelihood that you have some sort of infection in your blood that would be passed to somebody else. So We're talking about things like HIV and uh, hepatitis. So some of the questions around that may include even things like um, getting tattoos or getting ear piercings, things that involve needles, essentially, that could have uh, introduced a risk of having uh, some sort of bloodstream infection. Um, You will get asked questions about this in the screening process. It does not mean that you cannot donate if you have a tattoo or if you have ear piercings or even if you've been a drug user in the past. For some of these things, there's just time periods that you may need to wait afterwards before you're eligible to donate blood again. And of course, the blood is still going to be screened for infections regardless, but we just want to make it less likely that we end up getting a blood product that is infected. You'll also get asked questions about your travel history. And again, this is to decrease or screen out blood that could possibly be infected in some way. So for example, malaria is a parasitic infection where the parasites or the 
the bugs that cause malaria can kind of hang around in the blood in a chronic form um, for quite a while, and the person can be asymptomatic. So you might get a lot of questions about um, how long has it been since you've traveled to a country uh, that is endemic for malaria? Um, how long has it been since you've had symptoms for malaria? Those kinds of questions will come up. And that's one reason why I have not been eligible to uh, give blood for a while, because typically I go to Nigeria every year and we have we have malaria in Nigeria. But um, this year, it's been more than a year since I've been there. And because of that, I was able to donate blood. So as I mentioned, a lot of the questions are about screening for infections. And another thing that they will ask questions about is medications that you're taking. Some of these medications may be unsafe or they might impact the function of the blood in some way. So for example, if you're taking aspirin, aspirin impacts the function of your platelets. So they will not be as effective in clotting blood as we would like. And this might be dangerous for someone who is getting platelets because they need help with clotting their blood. Same thing if you're in on blood thinners. So there's there's a whole list of medications that could potentially be an issue. And again, there's a very detailed set of rules around how long it has to be after those medications before you can donate. Okay, so that's that's a little bit about the what happens in the background before you are able to donate blood. Now, if you are interested in donating, I would encourage you to take a look at a website. You can literally just Google um, blood donation near me and put in like your zip code or something and you'll, you'll get many, many examples. The Red Cross does tons and tons of blood donations. They're responsible for about 40% of blood donations in the United States every year. So you can type in Red Cross around you and their websites are usually very, very detailed and straightforward, and they will give you all the information that you need. You can also just um, call into a center. And that's what I did. I told him I was interested in donating blood and I wanted to know whether I was eligible. Um, one, because I've been turned away in the past because of my travel history. And two, because I have sickle cell trait, not sickle cell disease, but sickle cell trait, which means that some of my blood cells are um, shaped a little bit differently, but not to an extent that it affects me medically in any way. But that's important for a blood center to know so that they don't send my blood to someone who has sickle cell disease, but it can be used in other patients and the other components of my blood can still be used like the platelets and the plasma. But I just wanted to, I wanted them to have that information so that I knew whether I could give blood or not. So by calling in, I was able to get all my questions answered ahead of time. And when I did show up for the appointment, it probably took about 30 to 45 minutes to get all the paperwork done in terms of answering the questionnaire and making sure that I was eligible. I had a little uh, finger prick done in which they tested my hemoglobin to make sure that I wasn't anemic. And then I got asked questions about my medical history and um, any medications I was taking as well. So that process takes a little bit of time and it is very thorough, again, because we want to make sure that we are not causing any problems or doing anything that is unsafe for either the donor or the blood recipient. And it probably takes a little bit longer the first time that you do this. And I think afterwards, 
they have your information stored in the system. And so it will likely go a little bit quicker. But that was my experience. Now, for the donation itself, this was amazing. The donation took about 15 minutes. I did a whole blood donation, which means that they took um, everything and then they can separate it into the different components and um, use that to give several different uh, transfusions. So the whole thing took about 15 minutes. Uh, they have these very comfortable chairs. They asked me which arm I wanted to use to do the donation. I took my left arm so I could still use my phone with my right hand. <laughs> Um, and basically, it's almost like getting a blood draw. You get a tourniquet put around the top of your arm. Your arm is cleaned very well, and they find a good vein. The needle is placed into your vein, and then we start collecting blood. Now, the needle used is a little bit bigger than the needles that are typically used for blood draws because you want it to stay open for the whole time that you are um, that your blood is being collected. So if you're someone who gets a little bit queasy around needles, just don't look at that time. It's completely fine. Once it goes in, it doesn't feel any different. It doesn't hurt um, after uh, the needle goes in. When it is going in, it hurts a little bit. I'd say it hurt just a little bit more than getting a blood draw because the needle is bigger, but it's about two seconds of pain and then it is gone. You don't really feel it after that. I was given um, almost like a stress ball that I would pump uh, in that arm that the blood was being taken from. I would pump it in that hand maybe every five to 10 seconds and that kind of kept the blood flowing down. A little portion of my blood uh, went off into a side bag and that would be taken to do any testing for any infections, again, to make sure the blood is safe. And then the rest of the blood went into a bag that's probably about 500 mLs. It's going to look like a lot of blood, but the average adult has, let's say, roughly five liters of blood in their body. So usually with a blood donation, you're going to be taking 10% or less than 10% of the blood in your body. So so have no fear, they're not bleeding you dry. <laughs> the bag is in like a little rocking chair almost. <laughs> and it's getting uh, rocked through that whole 15 minute process where the blood is being collected. And that's because we don't want the blood to clot um, while it is being collected and before it is given to the recipient eventually. So... I just kind of hung out in the chair um, for about 15 minutes, pumping my hand, listening to some Christmas music and um, just hanging out. And it was done in no time. Um, I had no side effects whatsoever from it. I felt completely fine. They do recommend that you hang around in the donation center for at least 10 minutes afterwards. Just kind of make sure that your body is feeling good before you get out there and start driving or, or doing anything. Um, that's because when you, after you have your blood taken, some people feel dizzy a little bit. Some people can feel more tired or fatigued. And so even before you go for your collection, the advice that's given is that you have something to eat and drink um, within two hours ahead of time. You don't want to come in fasting, um, which it's the holiday period. So that was really not a concern. <laughs> in fact, I've been doing the opposite. <laughs> But you don't want to come in fasting. And then after your transfusion as well, you want to make sure to hydrate well, drink a lot of water and get something in you. So there's usually a refreshment center. I got some chips. I got some water. I got a free T-shirt for my time. <laughs> 
And that was my experience with blood donations. So I was really, really happy that I got a chance to do that. Um, it really gave me an appreciation on the other side of things for the people who make it possible for my patients to get the products that they need um, so that they can be well taken care of. So it's a great feeling to feel that 15 minutes of my time can be something that is life-saving for a patient who's going through a difficult medical experience. So this is something that I would definitely consider looking into, seeing whether you're eligible to donate, and if you are, consider giving blood. Because of the COVID pandemic, there has been a significant shortage of blood donors and blood products. The Red Cross mentions that they're facing the worst blood shortage they've had in over a decade. And some hospitals are having to cancel or delay surgeries. This is a significant issue. It is something that I would definitely consider if you are eligible. And depending on what you're donating, you can actually donate relatively frequently. So if you donate whole blood, you can donate blood every two months or so. This gives your body time to kind of recover and uh, replenish its stores of blood. If you donate platelets, you can donate that actually every week or so because platelets are made by your body a lot faster. So depending on the blood product that you have, you can kind of think about an interval that you'd like to donate. Once you do it for the first time, you find out that it's not that hard and uh, you definitely be doing something that is going to make a huge impact in somebody's life. So I'm going to place some links in the show notes if you are interested in finding out some more information about uh, blood donation. Okay, so we've talked about generosity a little bit in this episode, gifting in terms of your <laughs> your blood, <laughs> which is, it's a little bit strange to think about, but it can make such a huge impact. You don't know. So um, think about it, do some reading about it. Um, but this is not the only way you can be generous. So I challenge you as you move into the next year, think about ways that you can be generous with your time, with your money, with your talents, with your emotions, whether it's just a listening ear for a friend or whatever. Of course, I thank you guys so much for the way that you have been generous with your time and listening to this podcast and those of you who have shared it with your friends and family. Um, I am so, so grateful to have the opportunity to do this and to share this with you guys. So I wish you Merry Christmas. I wish you a safe and healthy um, holiday period with friends and family. And um, I will see you guys in 2022. For the show notes and links to the books I cover in this episode, please head over to the podcast website at www.storytimeclinic.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share this podcast with other people who may be interested. I'd also love to hear from you if you have book suggestions or health topics you'd like to see me cover. If you want to give me some feedback and help me make this podcast more valuable for you, you can leave a review on iTunes or send me an email at thestorytimeclinic at gmail.com. 
Thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode.